And the Stacks Gaming Squad coming at you with another radio show on July 22nd, 2018. Guys, spit hot fire. He's that that's my boy spitting hot fire. And it's so hot that I had to bring in myself and Adam. Yo. And Jared. I'm here. And we're gonna get out this heat and we're gonna stay inside. I'm gonna watch these shows and we're gonna play these games. Oh, what about no, you got that beatboxing? Go. You know what also, you know what also brings the heat, brings the heat on during summer. If Netflix uh, just releases a Luke Cage season two, just in the middle of the summer, just in the middle of the July heat, out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean we knew they were making it, but it's a good summertime show because so much of that, there was so much hot, so much heat in that series. Yeah, no, in, so, in so many different ways. Definitely. Especially, they never said it, but it was said during Harlem in the summer. I mean, you know, it's just going to go down. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody dies in the summer. Adam, did you ever uh, get into Luke Cage or any of those uh, Netflix Marvels, really? I didn't. I I. Can't, man, I'm, I'm uh, when it comes to to soup to superhero like like the Marvel just superhero stuff. I just I can't get into it. Really, I can't. Yeah, You're I like the only one that man, I know of, and that doesn't that doesn't say anything about look, you. But I'm interested in what you got to say about that. Man, nothing good. Nothing look, good at all. I, I I completely skipped Luke Cage. Never seen an episode. Based on what I heard, it just doesn't seem like it's for me. And so here, here, here's my history with superhero movies. Back when we were younger, you know, it, 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 I'd say modern superhero movies kind of started with like, you know, early 2000s, X-Men trilogy. That was cool, you know, mm-hmm. and then it kind of got more gritty with the Batman stuff. Like the Batman trilogy was real cool. It had like a dark edge to it. It was kind of psychological. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had some like thriller moments to it, a little bit of like mystery and investigation, and it was it was just a good movie. I I I, I put I put the Dark Knight as like kind of like the apex of superhero movies, you know. I don't as, think as, you know, I don't think as that sounds, and and so like 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 since then I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy, gave it an honest attempt. I watched Wonder Woman. I watched um, Captain America. Every single one of them. Oh, Deadpool. Every single one of them for me was just like a massive eye roll. I thought mm. they were all so stupid. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. So, and, and you know, and and this is the this isn't the first time I I, I talked about this. So so I'm, I mentioned this to uh, to a friend of mine. And um, and he suggested he's like, look, if you're really if you're really into like, hot like like the tone of of some of those like darker superhero movies, um, uh, there there was one movie that we watched recently where I said that that kind of you know it nailed exactly what I wanted out of superhero movies, and it was uh it was Logan, uh, from a couple of years ago, I guess it was oh, 2016. Yeah. Uh, I thought Logan was fantastic. Hmm. 
So <clears throat> I hear what you're saying. I understand. And I agree that a lot of the major MCU movies, they're good action flicks, but except for Black Panther, I would say they don't say a whole lot and you're really you're really just pandering to your audience, just giving them what they want. Yeah, just giving them the, the character that they want. What they just, saying. Yeah, because a lot of them, I mean, I, I do enjoy them, but I mean, I, I understand that they are like sort of cheeky and they aren't they aren't super, they'll, they'll try to hit serious notes, but then it's just sort of like trying to create this universe. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, nothing that will ever be something I'll be like, oh, Grammy Award, not Grammy, uh, Emmy Award winning, Oscar Award winning performance or anything like that. But was, I find them entertaining at least just to see the live action version of all these all these characters that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I want to like these movies. I, I, I'm jealous that everyone talks about them and everyone gets excited about them, and I just I just can't come to do it. And I don't think you should. I don't think if you're not if you didn't already buy in with the first Iron Man movie and the second Iron Man movie where they all started. At this point, I don't think it's worth buying in. Yeah, because yeah, they're just big. They're just big empty set pieces. And I saw that. Uh, yeah. That there, there it is. That's that's exactly it. It's like it's it's just a big, it's a big empty set piece that just has no substance. You know, nice. there's just no there's no meat there. It's all just it's all just action, and like the story is is forgettable. It's like if I want action, you know, I I can I can get that elsewhere. Mm. I don't know. I just uh, I hate to be a stick in the mud, man. I just I I cannot come to like those superhero movies or anything coming out of that Marvel. Marvel Studios, even DC no. Studios. I just, I really was not like into Wonder Woman. Um, I can't say. I, I didn't see Wonder Woman, and I was never compelled to go ever see Wonder Woman at all. The only draw for it had for me was, oh, it's a uh, power of gender. You know, that's it. That's the only thing you got going for me that that will give me any depth. Depth going yeah. to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I will say that if you're looking for something with a little bit more of artistic statement, I draw a line between major Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the big box office releases, and minor Marvel Cinematic Universe, like all the Netflix series and Cloak and Dagger on uh, on that Freeform TV channel. Those, you get away from big Hollywood, and you get a little bit more of the people trying to say things, especially yeah. um, in Luke Cage, especially not as much in Iron Fist or Daredevil, but Jessica Jones had a lot to say about trauma and PTSD and and kidnapping and rape and all this torture, and, you know, just all this tortuous, like, gut-wrenching things that they talk about. And Cloak and Dagger has recently been getting into, like, you know, race politics, class politics, you know, who has influence, who doesn't. I do want to check out Cloak and Dagger. That seemed, that seemed neat. I think you'll really like it. Especially since we're all, we're all based in New Orleans. So it's, so it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun when you, when you look at where they shoot the scenes and you can say, I've been there. I've walked down that street. You know, oh, cool. something like that. I didn't know but, it was filmed um, down here. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it's filmed there. It's based down here. Um, the acting is pretty good. And the story 
is uh is shaping up. It's their it's their pilot season. That's on Netflix. But, uh, it's actually on Freeform TV and whatever uh, platform they go on. We got Roku and we got uh, Sling TV, and then Sling TV comes with Freeform, so that's mm-hmm. how we watch it. Uh, but okay. it's on. Um, I'm sure I'm sure there's ways to watch it. Huh. Yeah. Okay. But, I I only recommend that show because, like you said, they seem to be trying to say something. Like Black Panther tried to say something. Yeah. Like very few other movies try to say anything in the Marvel universe. And that yeah, and that's and that's probably the problem I have. With, I think I have the problem with is that you know these uh uh these bigger just box office like Marvel movies like I just don't find that there's a story that they want to tell. Like, what is the story here? Or is it just like an origin tale of the superhero with a little bit of, with like just tons of action mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and demonstration of what this, what this hero's ability is, but like, where's the conflict? Where's the story? Like, what are you trying to tell here mm-hmm. besides like a showcase of, of this, uh, you know, of this like mythological being that just comes down and has all these amazing powers. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, can't... I mean, if, if this was a story that was written in like the eighties or, or the nineties, you know, depending on what superhero this is, it's like, well, I could read, I could read the Iliad and the Odyssey and get more, you know, the same amount of power and ability from some of these gods and goddesses and get more meat and more, uh, more lessons learned from those tales. You know, and those were written, you know, thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's try to stay spoiler free, and I'll <laughs> and I'll throw it to Jared. Given that, what did what themes did Luke Cage for you try to say? Like, what was he talking about? I I have some ideas about what he's trying to say, but I'm interested from your perspective what what you felt, what you perceived. Yeah, I mean, like, in Luke Cage, I could definitely say season two, which, well, what I'll say about season one, even though it was, it, it took a sharp downturn halfway through the season, obviously, but then, uh, yeah, season two was definitely, you could see Luke's internal conflict, because he was, he was a guy trying to do the right thing, he wasn't necessarily someone that could escape the, the, the ghetto poverty life, and he ended up getting, you know, he gets set up and put in prison, that's how he gets his powers, is when he's in prison, and so even though he has all these powers and he has all this acclaim from from everyone else, he's still that location and that environment still draws you in. And you, you can draw that contrast with Mariah too, because Mariah is this councilwoman and she's what she's doing is she's trying to get her, her money not dirty. She's trying to launder all her money and she tries to create like this pinnacle of of you know this pinnacle of hope in the ghetto and you know, even still like the environment itself, regardless of how strong you are, how how far you've come. It, it's still like, it's definitely saying that if you're in this environment, there is a chance that you'll still be brought down by the environment. And I think it did, it did a very good job of, of telling that story and spinning that web in many different sort of areas. And it just brought it all back in together with the end. And, and it was really good. Mm, yeah, it was really good. Um, but it's interesting that you bring up that Luke Cage, a big black man, got his powers during imprisonment. Is there anything more to that? Are you do you think they're trying to say oh, something? That's just yeah, no. I mean, I think what I know they're they're definitely trying to say something. So the comic book itself was written in the sixties, I want to say, like six, uh, maybe like early seventies, and so that whenever, was like, whenever Shaft was hot, you know, whenever yeah, yeah big, so that was, funky that was afros with you know whenever that was hot. 
Right. So that was like early mid seventies is when it was written. So I think the Luke Cage prison experiment was definitely like a, a throwback and an allusion to the uh to the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. That's that's what I've always like imagined that as because you have all these prisoners, predominantly black, at some place like Seagate, and you have this sort of thing where they take it's a super soldier serum that they like updated to try to make it a lot stronger, and it's not really taking on anybody, but it doesn't matter because Luke's in jail for you know 50 years for selling heroin, so no one's gonna miss him and no one's gonna care, so it's fine that he gets tossed in the vat and he becomes a super soldier. And if it can mm-hmm. work on him, then it can work on upstanding citizens that are clean and probably white and can go around and save the world if it works on Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that it was definitely like a direct throwback to that. So uh, I was sorry. So Luke Cage was, you said this was written kind of during like the 60s, 70s. I think it's more like 70s, so it's, like early 70s, early mid 70s. Is, is he kind of like a, is he kind of like a civil rights character, like type character? No, he's definitely more black exploitation type character, like Superfly. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it was not. They were they weren't very subtle with the way they handled his character during okay. that very tumultuous time. I mean, he was wearing like a big, bright yellow shirt mm-hmm. with a big ass afro with gauntlets mm-hmm. on his arms, and he was just. I mean, there wasn't a lot preventing artists from him from depicting him backhanding a woman or something just incredibly egregious like that. Yeah, it was. It was definitely not Let's an see. empowering. An empowering, you know, thing. So, would would you say he's more like, um, would you say he's more like a uh, like a Shaft type character or like a Riley from Boondocks? Definitely uh, no. a Shaft. I would say yeah, Shaft. more of a Shaft. Like the one. Okay, so they they definitely like changed his whole persona and feel because the uh, like in the comic book series he was more of a Shaft type character because he's he's Luke Cage mercenary for hire. So if you don't have the money, then you don't really matter oh, to him yeah. at all. Okay. But uh, yeah, in this series, he's definitely like closer to a, um, well, I'd say he's closer to a Huey from the Boondocks in the uh, in the actual TV series. So it's it's definitely like a stark difference. Mm-hmm. Which I can appreciate. Be, it, it would it would be neat if they kind of like rewrote his character for like contemporary issues. Yeah, you know? that's the question. Did they? Um, I mean, this is the perfect platform for them to do it, and I have my opinions that of whether they tried to do um, Black Panther statement on a small scale on a Netflix level, talking about things that you can't talk about in big Hollywood movies. Uh, like like Jared said, like politics on the street, what's really going on on the ground? If Black Panther is talking about big national issues, big societal issues, what what's Luke Cage talking about? I would love that. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I'm, I'm all about evolving superheroes for the, you know, for the, uh, for the time. You know, mm-hmm. you can't always have Superman like fighting in World War One. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think the advantage that Luke Cage has over someone like Black Panther is that just Luke Cage being able to see the microcosm. Like Black Panther is as good as it was. It's like okay, everyone knows like the stuff's going on on a global scale. But then Luke Cage being, like, so small into the microcosm. And, you know, Luke Cage doesn't have to fight Thanos. Black Panther has to fight Thanos. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, folks. We ran into some technical difficulties and lost a good chunk of our talk about Luke Cage. We go on to say that it'd be difficult to recommend watching Season 2 without Season 1 without being kind of hamstrung on fully realizing the messages and themes that they try to communicate. But if you have the time and the interest... 
it's got a little bit more substance than usual Marvel fare. Sorry about the inconvenience. We fixed the issue and it shouldn't happen again. But we hope you're still with us as the show must go on. Magic the Gathering sent me beta keys. And How did you get these beta keys? You one. know, to get into the beta was like a five-month wait. Back in November, back in November, I signed up for the beta. I didn't get anything until April. And now, like three months later, say, hey, here's five more. (laughs) So, and you can just set up to whoever you want. Um, So I sent one to Adam uh, because you played Magic before, huh? Yeah, I played a lot of Magic um, several years back. Um, Yeah, I I really enjoy Magic. I played a lot when I was a kid. I remember uh, buying some old uh, Mirage decks and some fifth edition decks. And um, that was back in grade school. And I played it a lot when I was in college because there was nothing else to do when a hurricane came through and we didn't have electricity anymore. So we figured, hey, why not? Magic is cool. Let's go buy some Magic cards and relearn how to play. And, and then after that, I think we... I think we we played at that time for probably like a year and a half, two years of just really hardcore magic stuff. And that was back during like 10th edition just came out uh, with uh, it was like that Alara block where it had mm-hmm. the um, uh, it, 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 it was the first time they had cards that had like three different colors that were required in order to, to do summons. And, yeah. um, and they, they had a couple of a couple of cards like uh, that was when Mythic Rares and Planeswalkers were first released. And that was a brand new concept. And they also had uh, the first couple of cards that were um, like all five colors were required to summon them out. I would say for those who are uninitiated in magic, with this product, Wizards of the Coast are the kings. They're the kings of game design and game mechanics. Every new card set that comes out just brings more gameplay mechanics, which just highlights how flexible this engine is. Well, they have uh, they have like twenty five plus years of experience with this uh, with this product too. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you look at the way the uh, the, the standard uh, the standard uh, uh, block is kind of set up because I mean they they have just thousands and thousands of cards that are released that, that as of today. And to balance that is is completely impossible. So the way they get around it, and it's also convenient because it makes you continue to to buy cards and feed into their engine, is um, they take and, and and this may be this may have changed since when I played it, uh, but it was it was the the last core set that released, and the last three like theme boxes that released were considered the standard uh, standard play and then they were able to balance that and that was roughly like a pool of maybe like maybe like 800 to like 1500 cards I think Some, somewhere mm-hmm. around that number um, if they were to just open it up uh, which they, they do have that as like a game type if you go to tournaments and you go to events um, they have a non-standard uh you know, for, for, for people who are like hardcore magic fans, I know I'm getting the, the, the nomenclature wrong, but they have a kind of like a non-standard type where it's just totally opened up and you can use cards from the early 90s all the way to brand new cards and synchronize them together. 
and you can make decks that are just completely broken where on the very first turn you have unlimited lives and you have unlimited minions and you just and you can blow up your enemy in a single turn um a one the one turn combo yeah just the the one turn just ultimate combo um but no in that and so that that's why they kind of limit it to that standard uh you know core set and then the first couple you know the last couple of theme decks that came out and they're uh you know and they and then they kind of evolve the game around that so every couple of years if you want to stay current you have to buy all new updated cards if you want to compete in tournaments um it's a it's a very serious scene uh they are you can you can get down into it and there are whole news sites dedicated just to magic news magic strategy um the happenings of all the pro players where they're going to be playing what the next tournament is what was played in those tournament commentary and and everything that you could possibly want so it's it's really well supported and it's it's a huge game it's yeah. a phenomenal game it's 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 i really like it in terms of uh in terms of playing a game it takes it down to like a like a primal level like it's just if you ever play the physical card card uh, game, it's just you and your deck and having that physical sensation of having the cards in your hand and playing it and see how differently it plays out of your hand. It's just, it's a sensation that you kind of miss if you get it, if you just strictly play it online with games like uh, something like Hearthstone or something like that. The physical experience is very different. Well, There's and, a feel and you, to it. Yeah, and, and you know, you play a game like Hearthstone and you it's very clear where the magic influence came from. And um, you, you can even look at other uh, other card games that released recently. Um, you know, some of these uh, L, uh, LCGs that came out by Fantasy Flight, you, know, you can you can definitely see some of the some of the magic influence coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, like Hearthstone that. is definitely one of the biggest uh, one, one of one of the most well known games that looks and feels and plays very similar to Magic the Gathering. Mm. Um, so if you're a, uh, I mean, if you're a Hearthstone player, transitioning into Magic is it would be, would be really would be really easy if you wanted to try it. Uh, there are a lot of, um, um, you know, new terms and new concepts that you would have to kind of familiarize yourself with. Um, but those same mechanics, most of them are in Hearthstone, under a different mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things like a lot of different terms like, um, for up top of my head, card advantage. It's something that's talked about so much in Magic, but if you play Hearthstone for the time, first time, you instantly get it. Some of these character classes, that's their main mechanic. It's card advantage, something like that. Yeah, and understanding the uh, the different um, uh, color types and how how color types complement each other and then also are weak and strong against against each other mm. <clears throat> but i think i find it really interesting that you kind of got into this um during a time when your electricity was knocked out so yeah i kind of got into it the same way i was i was uh, living in a town with nothing to do it's not really any gaming scene but locally there's a magic shop so I went in, you know, just looking for something to pass the time. And that's how I got into it. It's almost something that's easier to get into when you're, when you're s- suddenly um, 
relieved from the constant deluge of new games coming at you. And now yeah, you have this physical game in front of you. Yeah, it forces you to unplug, you know, because yeah, uh, most people and most people who probably listen to this to this show are going to be um, people who are playing either on a console or a PC. And you know, there there's a there's a pretty viable gaming scene that's uh, that's unplugged, you know, and mm-hmm. and so um, you know, at the at the time we had lost electricity and we just didn't we didn't know what to do with ourselves because shoot at the time we couldn't i couldn't turn on my ps3 and play fallout so it's what the heck do we do with ourselves now besides drinking uh we knew that walmart was open so we went over there and we knew that they had card games and stuff and it was like well they have sorry and they have guess who but who you know no one wants to play that and uh and then they had like magic the gathering it's like heck yeah let's just buy up some magic cards and, and play this and um Me. and yeah we 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 got into it like in a way that i didn't expect there's a um, there's a scene. It's just called kitchen table magic, where every household is its own meta. Like it's just the meta that you like. And at least and I had a little uh, tabletop magic going for a little bit. It's just whatever cards we had on hand. I mean, if we got some extra spending money, we'll go on get a booster and come back, and that changes the meta in our household. And I think that's just a really interesting scene where you go to somebody else's house and you play with their cards and it's the same game, but it's a different meta now. Yeah, that's cool. Cause it's kind of like, it's kind of like going back in time too. You know, if, uh, if someone who had played decks from, you know, the early or the late nineties or the early two thousands, and that was mm-hmm. all they had and they still have those cards. Um, you know, you, you can go back and go through their library and just limit your, uh, uh, your 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 decks to something that was way back uh, during that time period. Now, given given that Hearthstone was undoubtedly more successful with their foray into online, uh, let's call them CCG games, um, they made the big splash in the market. But now it seems that Wizard is like. Wizards got this old Magic the Gathering client that looks like it runs on DOS. You know, the UI is terrible, but there's a bunch of dedicated players on there who have a massive amount of money invested into that game. But it's unusable. It's unplayable. You can't get new players into that market. So what they do, it seems like to me, is they took Blizzard's model and they came out with Magic the Gathering Arena. So I was looking into this a little bit this morning because I was interested. Because, because uh, yeah, you have you have Magic the Gathering online, and now you have this new TG Arena. Um, and and, and to to give you a so Magic the Gathering online to give you a quick uh, uh, you know what I was able to find out and what and from what I uh, remember from playing it way back when is um it is straight up Magic the Gathering. Uh, yeah, the interface is clunky, and the interface hasn't been updated in years, but there's kind of a reason for that. Um, so in the in the original Magic the Gathering online, you can play within that uh, uh, online game every single card dating all the way back to the beginning. Um, and because of that, there's a lot of mechanics that are just old and outdated that would be really difficult to transfer over in the MTG arena. And to um, you know, to start the balance and to 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 balance that and to to navigate through the massive amount of data and information that would be present on screen, with the 
let's say like that Hearthstone style kind of interface that you're looking at would be a nightmare. So that's that's kind of why there hasn't been an interface redesign in God, it's it's it had to have been easy over a decade that interface hasn't been redesigned. Um, but there was a conscious decision why they didn't why they haven't. Uh, it would make the game the 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 displaying of certain uh, of information from really old mechanics just almost impossible. Um, I don't think MTG Arena will ever replace Magic the Gathering Online. Uh, looking into it, so MTG Online is is going to be a totally different beast because in that game that that is that is strictly exactly like the uh, the physical game, uh, only in a digital format. So, for example. If I wanted to, if I wanted to get new cards, if I want to buy new uh, booster packs and stuff, I got to enter my credit card information and pay the same amount of money that I would pay for the physical cards over at the Walmart. And um, and then they're 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 stored in my little online like catalog, you know. Uh, that is in contrast to MTG Arena, where it's a little bit more like a uh, like a loop of a uh, 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 free to play kind of loop of acquiring these cards, similar to Hearthstone, where um, you get your you, you know you get some basic starter packs, but then you have a bunch of achievements that you can complete. Those achievements, those daily achievements, like play a certain amount of blue spells, play a certain amount of black or white spells, win ten times in a week, uh, win a couple of times, you know, five times within a day. And you're granted with in-game coins. You're granted with card packs uh, for completing those rewards. And then you can use some of that in-game currency to buy to acquire new packs. So technically, you don't need to spend any money to get uh, a pretty decent-sized library going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you will not find that in MTG Online. It is strictly uh, you. You have to. You know, there's no way around it. You have to spend money to get new cards, or you can buy, sell, or trade individual cards with people on their market. Uh, from mm-hmm. what I remember, they, they, there is a mechanic in MTG Online where you can you can almost like broadcast on like a trading post, like here's the cards that I have that I'm willing to trade with people. What do you have to trade? And let's set something up. Trading is, a, is I think, a gameplay mechanic that was designed to be inherent in this game. And it's the most famous one, and I think you can't replicate it, but it's so vital to magic. I think where, if you, you, where, you, where you show up on Friday night and you say, "Hey, I bought I bought these cards. I can't really build anything with them, but the first time I physically handed somebody else a card and they physically had to meet their card, it was like trading Pokemon for the first time. It was that it was that rush. It was that that sensation of oh my god." I have something from somebody else and it's mine now and I could play with it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think if they added trading in the MTG arena, it would ruin the game. Yeah, you really, it would. You really couldn't it have would ruin that. their economy. It would. Yeah. Um, so Jared, what, uh, why did you stop playing Hearthstone? Uh, it was just the, the I, I like the fact that they would balance cards, but you know to keep their whole economy going, they had to release new cards, and it was the discontinuing of old cards that I really did not like at all. I just thought it was it it, it sort of rendered things you know invalid. Like I played a priest, and they discontinued Sylvanas Windrunner, which is an integral part of that deck, and it's a it's a very expensive card to craft. I got lucky and got it out of pack, but 
even still like Craftman card takes a lot of effort. Then you mm. have this card that is like a crutch to a single strategy and you completely remove it and it just ends up like I mean that's just kind of a shitty feeling when you have to completely adapt and I mean I'm a I'm a casual player so I'm playing casually and I don't necessarily have the time to try out twenty new different strats in a week. I have the time to try out one new strat in a month maybe. And to have the strat that I I built around like you know it's not something like a fighting game to where I can just have a character in practice like no to try out these strats I have to first get packs use packs find out if the strategy works or fails which it'll probably fail and then lather rinse and repeat till I find something that I can actually seriously play with and see serious success so I mean just like I can understand balancing which is one of the main advantages of having a digital card game but then like completely removing things from play is just I mean it just it, it just sort of turned into like a money grab they just want I mean, of course, they'd always want your money, but, you know, it, it, at that point, it's just, I just I, I couldn't deal with it. Will they, get, you know, will, will, will they ever do a, uh, similar to what John was saying with, like, like tabletop meta, where, I mean, I can see them, and, and, well, and this is, they, it, Mad, Magic needs to do this, too, is to have, like, yeah, like, I, I can understand, like, phasing out stuff out of the standard block, but... But give people the ability to to play some of those cards and decks that they invested in in the past, and have like, like just have like a legacy, uh, like a legacy block, uh, and yeah. kind of restrict it. You know, like like kind of uh, compartmentalize that old block from three years ago in Hearthstone, and just kind of set it aside to where people who want to play in that, they can go and play in that and and rank up within that uh, you, you know that that you know, 2013, 2014 kind of uh, a set piece. Now you are kind of like breaking up the uh, the community a little bit because now we're going to have these groups of players playing in this set, these groups of players and so on. But, you know, if you have the player base to support that and there's like a need for that, I mean, you don't want to, because otherwise you're just shafting your players who invested like hundreds of dollars on these, on these decks, if you know, only for that to be rendered useless in like three years. Yeah, because yeah, they do have a... Um... They do have a legacy version now, but I, I know specifically that it's not in the uh, it's not the rank ladder. It's just like purely casual only, which is mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, I, I'm not like a huge fan of it, and I haven't played Hearthstone in years, regardless. But but that's where the train stopped. You know, mm-hmm. if the, the 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 moment you feel like, hey man, I'm I'm invested in this. What are you doing? That's 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 kind of where where you lose your players. It should have been. A um, a foreseen consequence that when they decide, you know what, we need to keep things interesting, or people are just going to uninstall out of boredom. Yes, I need. I, I understand that you need to change up the meta, but you realize that once you change the meta, you still need to support those old players. Otherwise, yeah. your players will rotate in and out, just like your just like your meta, and that's a that's not a business model that you want at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, I feel like Hearthstone in in general, instead of like doing that whole car thing, they could have at least introduced new classes first. Like, I mean, I'm not sure if they have new classes, but they they did come out in a while with like the uh, you know Death Knight and monks and stuff, and they have all the the other Warcraft three classes that aren't even in the game. I feel like that would have been something that was more profitable because I mean, at, at that point when you do stuff like that, you're you're sort of like uh you're sort of like taking leagues um business model which is obviously extremely effective and so you take this because they will create classes they have classes that that they can create and that's still 
creating the demand for new players to actually play and it's creating the demand for people to actually purchase more decks because they want now i want a death knight deck and now i want a monk deck and now i want a whatever else deck and so instead of doing that they just went this whole way to where they still have the same 10 classes and same 10 people and you just end up with you end up with a game that would eventually stagnate and so your idea of keeping it fresh is basically making people start from new which you know if you're you're starting from new with the same thing that you've been doing instead of starting from new with something totally different you know in magic there are um there are no oh well there are no classes there are colors and the colors have tend to rotate each color there's five colors tend to rotate about certain play styles but you Mm -hmm. can certainly mix and match to build whatever you want so it's much much more freeform which is both at the same time inviting and also at the same time completely intimidating yeah but what magic the gathering did is they took that and they put in a hearthstone business model would you play that um I don't know. With with they didn't say it yet, but it'd be really a fatal mistake if they did not include in the future a legacy mode. Yeah, I mean that that does help it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just got kind of burnt out on Hearthstone yeah. too much. What are what are the what are the card games that you've been playing? Um I mean Slay the Spire, I played that one, which uh I mean it's PvE. But it was it was a really good game. Check out check out my post on that by the way. Um Yeah, I just I felt like even though I I bought it when it was in early access, I saw PewDiePie playing it and I ended up buying it while it was in early access and it was um it was extremely polished even when it was in early access. They did have a bunch of tweaks and I think now that it's in full version the third character has actually come out now. But there are only two characters. There was one that was a berserker style character. And then there was a um a rogue style character, like a poison rogue style character. And it was it was crazy because you would have these two characters and they they would have multiple different playstyles that you could play. Like with the Berserker, you could go like and you go an all out offensive, you can go like a sustained type type, you know, deck. You could also go like a defensive deck. With the same thing with the with the rogue, you could go like a poison damage over time, you could go like a, a disabling style, you could go a defensive style with that. And I guess with that one, since every playthrough, you end up with a different deck just due to the randomness of the game. So, I mean, that's that's how they chose to keep it fresh is because just because since it's PvE, you know, everyone's going to have their own little unique playthrough and you have this playthrough and each playthrough is going to be completely different because you have to, you're forced to adapt even when you know all the cards that are available to whatever mm-hmm. class. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not necessarily going to get the, the cards. Like there's one card that's, the poison cloud that the rogue uses that poisons all the enemies and then you know if you get the poison cloud and you want to just like time out all your enemies then you need defensive cards but then you go through and oh all the defensive cards that you're getting kind of sucks so you can't actually use that because if you just sit there the enemies are just going to pound you to death so then yeah. so you end up having to adapt and you end up like using cards to augment that without being defensive but they're more offensive so it it's good yeah yeah uh the last thing well, if we want to keep talking, we'll keep, we can keep talking about it. But I will say to you, Jared, that if we, me and you, ever find ourselves without electricity or internet, I'll introduce you to magic and I'll see what you think. Just see what you think. I think you'll like it. All right. All right. Actually, so random story is I used to buy Pokemon cards a lot. And 
one time I did, I guess there's like some magic cards that got mixed up in the Pokemon cards and the booster packs, and I didn't realize this. Uh, I, that no way. Like, yeah, I was like, no grab, way. yeah, I like grabbed four booster packs, and I get home, and I was like, magic? Okay, and I opened it up, and I had, uh, it was like the... <sighs> I remember one of my friends actually played Magic said it was a really valuable card. It's like something of the swamp or something like that. Man, this was like easily 18 years ago or something like that. I had to find it, but I forgot exactly what it was. But he said it was super rare, super expensive. But I you know I'm pretty sure I still have the card in my parents' house too. Oh <laughs> man, dude! If you got some bills to pay, <laughs> you better pick <laughs> that up. That's uh, neat. I thought you were gonna yeah. say you got you found like a black lotus or something like that. Ooh, yeah. could, oh, easily yeah. could easily finance a semester's education. Yeah, no, I actually know a Black Lotus just because, just to read the lot. I wish it was a Black Lotus, but I think this is more like in the 100 to $200 range, not the $25,000 range. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever tried Netrunner? Uh, no. Netrunner, uh, that, that, that's another card game. That game is fantastic. Uh, they don't have a digital version of it, but there's a, um, it's a physical card game. It's, uh, it is a, that that is a very nice card game. Um, you should give it's it a not, give it a go. It's not Magic the Gathering. It is definitely not. It is its, its own it's beast. LCG. It's an LCG. You don't buy boosters unless you want to buy expansions. But the base game is all in the box. Yeah. And what's nice is you don't have to buy boosters. Uh, the expansion they they just have expansion packs, and when you buy the expansion pack, you know exactly what cards you're getting. There's no rarity or anything like that. You just you buy the packs and that's and that's what you get. And um and that's in that regard it's really nice. Yeah. It's um I don't remember where I read it, but it's the same designer, right? Richard Garfield designed both games and they say actually Netrunner at this point is the best design game out there. I would I would have to agree. Netrunner's fantastic. It's um they actually uh they uh, there is no more development for Netrunner because Fantasy Flight lost the um, uh, their their rights to the franchise has expired and it was uh, I guess it was too expensive to renew because they knew how much Netrunner blew up and um, so yeah it's really sad there's no more Netrunner expansions after this last one I think it's it might release in August and then that's it. Mm. Okay, so so I did manage to find the card that I got. It was Force of Nature. I remember. I I'll never forget that. Oh, like thing that is small. a that is a famous one. That yeah, is a famous one. Yeah, it's going for three fifty on eBay. That's crazy. Ooh, damn. Yeah. Jared, uh, go go out buy some more Pokemon card boosters, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, since I got the luck, I'll find a Black Lotus next time. I accidentally buy a Magic booster. Yeah. Adam, you said yeah. you want to talk about. You said you want to talk about Fortnite on the Switch. Yeah, I've been playing some Fortnite on Switch. Um, right. We know what Fortnite is, but what's yeah, every, about it on Switch? Man, everybody knows what Fortnite is. Yeah. I um, I uh, I, I played I played Fortnite on the PC, and I bounced off that game so hard. I hated it. Hated <laughs> I think it. we played we played what two matches, and we just never touched it again. Look, man, I played. I gave it an honest go. I played like five matches one night and died within like 20 seconds you know and then the next night i'm like i'm like all right let me try this again let me give it an honest attempt again same thing i died i must have played like six or seven matches that night every single time i died in 20 seconds and it was kind of at that moment i think it was the first time ever where i'm just thinking to myself like man like 
am I just old? Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like this game. <laughs> this is just not like, this sucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it just, and it just wasn't for me. And I know, and you know, right now, Fortnite's the biggest, the, the, the biggest game in the world mm-hmm. came out, you know, it came out of nowhere and, and I just, it, I just wasn't into it. Uh, it's, it's on every single platform except for microwaves at this point it came out on the switch and and i said all right you know if i'm if if i'm gonna get into fortnite it's gonna be on the switch because it's kind of like a like a level playing field everybody's using the uh uh you know the switch controls and and may, maybe i'll get into it in that space i tried it a couple times i kind of had the same experience when i was doing solo um when i was yeah when i was just going in solo where you know i, I was i had a little bit more survivability and you know, but I would always die. I'd maybe get, I'd be lucky if I hit anybody. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I um I fired it up this week again, just to give it another shot. And um, and I and I actually got into the top ten. I, I was I I just kind of changed my strategy up and said I'm just gonna go like camp out in some warehouse or something. So I just hung out in a warehouse, got lucky. I didn't really have to move a whole lot. End up getting the top ten. I'm like, all right, like that was. That was that was pretty all right. I'm gonna try this again, and and um and then I switched it to 50 v 50, and um, man, when I said that that 50 v 50 is is a lot of fun because you don't have to look out for yourself. I mean, you're with half of the map is on your team, you know, and yeah, and um and if if you haven't tried that, that's a that's a fun game type because it it reminds me of um, it, I I got the same feeling playing that as I did like way back in the day when I was playing like battlefield, like 1942 or battlefield heroes where you have like, where it's, it's massive gunfights on this really big map. And there's, there's people all around you that are on your team. And then there's like a, there's almost like a murder field in between you and the other team. And, um, (laughs) and, and, and that was, that was really fun. You know, when the, 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 the way the map shrinks when you're doing 50 V 50 is super aggressive and it gets, it gets real tiny real quick. Uh, so it really like condenses everyone together and forces everyone to get into these, these, in my experience, like these really intense firefights. Um, mm-hmm. What's great too, is I don't have to, in, in, in some ways I don't have to rely on like picking up loot because if I'm just hanging out, like in this big mob of like 25 or 30 people that are on my team, one of those guys is going to get popped. And then all of his loot is gonna pop off, pop off, and now I just pick up like their like rare and legendary gear and shit, which is which is sweet. And then like so they'll die. I'm like sweet. Pick up all these weapons. Now I got all this like really awesome like legendary loot, and um and then I just continue where he left off, like just trying to pick off guys that are up on a mountain or something. Um, it was it was fun, man. I we did a couple of matches. I, I lost a couple. Um. But but in, in every single every single game, like I got down, it was like less than ten on each side. And um and it's man, I, I'm I can't wait to go back and play it. So I'm gonna play it today. <laughs> it was uh it was cool. I, I recommend it. I, I never thought I never thought that I would say I liked her uh, uh Fortnite. Um and I was I was really surprised when I started playing on the Switch and um and I and I've been enjoying it. What's what make what's what makes it popular is people who stream that solo one versus one hundred game time, and they get people like Drake and they get like Twitch stars on there. They get YouTubers on there. And they get all these views, and you get this perception that oh man, the way I should play this game is one v one hundred. 
but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, yeah, and and you know they they have uh, squads too. You can do squads and you can do um, duos, um, solo, and then the uh, and then the fifty v fifty. Yeah, I would. Uh, uh, I, I that that fifty v fifty was was something that was cool. I'd I'd recommend it if you um if you still have your epic launcher installed and 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 all that on your on your computer. But it was it was good stuff. So I'm it I'm is. not really interested in getting like the skins and and buying the battle pass, mm. you know, just yet. And 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 I probably will never get to that point where I'll invest money into it unless I really am playing it a lot. Um, you know, but well, but but yeah, ch- check it out. Is there crossplay between Switch, PS4, PC, all that stuff? So yes and no. So. There's a lot of drama with that, and so if you're if if you're on an Xbox, if you're on a PC, if you're on a Switch, if you're on an iPhone, everybody can play together. If you're on PS4, forget it. You can only <laughs> play. So, so there there was there's a lot of uproar about this too. So if you're on a PS4, you can only play with PS4 people. Uh, they they completely wall it off. You can't play with PC. You can't play with Xbox or anything else. We play with PC. We play with PC. I have a PS4. Oh PC. oh, so so yeah. PS4 and PC can play together? Yeah yeah. They okay. Must have, okay. Yeah, they must have changed it. So if you it, okay, so so here so here's where the um backtrack back to E3 uh, this year. Nintendo announces that Fortnite comes out on the Switch. Everyone's like, great, I can play Fortnite in the bed like that's awesome um for those people who had a ps4 and and just logged in to their epic account on fortnite on their ps4 they suddenly can now play it on the switch they download it they fire it up they enter their username and password they are greeted with a message prompt that says sorry you are not allowed to play the to log into this account on this platform you have to create a new account Oof. Obviously, people get very upset for those who especially invested a bunch of money in skins and, and progress and battle passes and all that. The reason for that is because PlayStation uh, uh, Sony locked out, uh, basically took those accounts and froze them specifically to that console. So you cannot log in. If you ever logged into PS4, uh, Fortnite on your PS4, you cannot play it on any other console, which is horrible. It, why, why do that? You get, you no. that is a fantastic question because the amount of PR nightmare that this has been causing Sony has been, uh, it, it has, it's been really difficult i've been i've been seeing for sony to come up with a good excuse why this is happening um since then microsoft and and nintendo got together and put out and start and they're putting out ad campaigns on social media that that is that is paid for by both microsoft and nintendo saying hey you can play fortnite on both of our systems and they'll play nice with each other totally like pushing out sony out of the uh, out of the Ooh. picture kind of like it's yeah, like kind trade of throwing, deals, man. It's like international trade deals. Yeah, but they're and and they're throwing shade at Sony because if if you're playing on Sony, you can't you can't play with the you, you can't play with those other those other platforms. 
it's the death knell if we're still talking about Magic Gathering. If Magic Gathering says, I can't play, if you release the Arena client on all these platforms, which is the totally smart thing to do. If, if you guys want to buy yachts, this is what you do. You put Arena on every platform and you make them all play nice with each other. That's what you do. Did yeah. I kill the conversation? Did I kill it? Slash thread slash the, the mic drop. The mic drop was that heavy. <laughs> the room. But no, it's uh, and and uh, it, it it's I can't I, I I can't imagine this keeping up for much longer. They have to at some point. Sony's going to have to give because that you know. You you look at and I think the reason is because Sony Sony is doing is doing really well with uh, like hardware sales so they're kind of at the top of the heap saying you know we want our install base only playing with our our install base yeah. so this is this isn't the first game they've done this with where they've locked out uh, all other consoles that are that are behaving nice with each other and doing console and doing a cross play mm. um, Rocket League. You uh, you can only play with PS4 players and no That's other right. uh, no other console or PC. Um, Minecraft is another one. Um, Paragon, rest in peace when it used to be around. <laughs> Before it got yeah. killed off, um, yeah. Paragon was the same way. All these games had cross had cross platform support except for Sony. Sony just has this is so adamant about saying no. We don't want any other. Uh, any other players from any uh, uh, from any other console interacting with the players that are on our console, which is silly because it's I mean there's there's a huge amount of players that are playing on PC and playing on the Switch and playing on the Xbox. Like why not invite those people to to just fully expand uh, uh, your your player base uh, for the people who do want to play it on PlayStation Four? Because the mindset is still on console wars. Y'all are still on console wars for when they released every generation when you release consoles. It's oh console wars. Who are which team are you gonna pick? You know, all the way back to Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. Every console generation released since then, they all release their consoles within a year of each other. And they're all competing with each other. I think yeah. I think you're right, but that's I mean, I think that's also a backwards way of thinking. I mean, going forward into the future. I don't see where you don't have cross-play on a lot of these multiplayer games, especially when these uh, when when these uh, when these publishers are doing uh, these self-publish and like releasing Battlefield on all consoles, uh, uh, on all platforms, and and hosting all the servers, you know, similar to Fortnite, and hosting all these servers uh, on on you know not relying on Sony's infrastructure or Microsoft's infrastructure. They said we have our own infrastructure where. Uh, where you connect to and and there's no reason why we need to segregate everything it's it, it's it's just good for the healthiness of that of that game and the longevity of that game especially when this is this is the this is what breaks the floodgates here you can play fortnite on your smartphone with that advent i don't think anyone understands the significance of this when you could play a game on your smartphone, there are no more consoles. There are no more borders. It's just a market without borders. It's every marketing team's dream. You can play. You can play. Nintendo can play with an iPhone and with a and with 
Xbox, like Nintendo's and Apple are the most closed system, the, you know, just, just the, uh, uh, the most conservative system, uh, platforms. Just pla- it's, yeah. It's yeah. It, like, for God's sakes, Nintendo is letting you play with Xbox players. You can't even chat. You can't even voice chat on, uh, on most Nintendo switch games, but they open that up and they allow that with Fortnite. Yeah. And, it's, and so it's... even, yeah. And so even Nintendo is opening it up, opening themselves up, you know, and there you also open yourself up to a lot of liability because Nintendo is marketed towards basically families and children. That's why they had to kill off the Miiverse because they were just tired of policing the amount of the, the amount of dirty artwork that was posted <laughs> on the Miiverse. They didn't want to put up with that anymore because they're, you know, they, they, they had said, if you're joining our social network, it is safe. You can be under the age of 13. It's cool. We are policing this. They realized it was a huge mess and they took it out. So now they're opening their, their, uh, their ecosystem up, allowing, uh, you know, people with, uh, uh, crazy names from these other platforms like PC and, and Xbox where they have no control over someone naming themselves something ridiculous and that showing up as Nintendo content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, which I mean I will say Sony, they like you're saying, like that that way of thinking is archaic as like uh as our generation gets older, you'll have some people that, you know, whenever uh, you know, we have responsibilities. And so if we by a platform that's generally the platform that we want it's the one that we're going to stick to and if you see something like fortnite that's exploding into this huge thing if you if you just take the the hardline stance that we're not going to offer crossplay when everyone else is then you're hamstringing yourself and it's kind of stupid and you're all you're doing is hurting your own player base and once the next generation comes out you know once it once it becomes time to buy a ps5 or whatever Xbox comes out with or to build a PC, you know, then people are going to think about it. All your loyalists are going to stop and they're going to say, hmm, I remember when I can only play Fortnite with people on PS4 and what else is going to come out that I could possibly crossplay with? Exactly. Get, get the Sony. We, we, Sony, we want you to make money, okay? We want, we want to give you our money, but you're not helping us do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to add a topic here. Uh-huh. Do we need to do we need to address this? Uh, I mean, uh, sh- should we should we talk about this uh, this drama that went down over at ArenaNet last week, two weeks um, ago? I think I think Kotaku did a decent write up. I did. I think Polygon did a much better, much more neutral write up. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more I can add to that. I pretty much I pretty much believe that ArenaNet as a giant company that um, supports livelihoods, pays its customers, I believe in good faith that they try to do the right thing most of the time. That I believe that what went down went down in a completely professional manner and the backlash is the story. I mean, isn't that how it always is these days? The backlash to the event is actually the story and not the event itself. Yeah, I think there were good points made on kind of both sides of of what went down. Um, you know, I, and and for for people who don't know, Google uh, um, uh, 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 ArenaNet 
catastrophe and it should be the first thing that comes up on both Kotaku and, and Polygon. They both did they both did great reporting on it. Um uh you know the the person in question was a was a writer. Uh she did a lot of like narrative writing um for the past like year or so uh with some of the living world stuff. She did a really good um a, a really good like series of tweets when it comes to um like writing like PC characters and kind of getting into um the challenges of writing a main character for like an MMO um which was really interesting and like I, I totally recommend reading it and how like like writing for uh the player character in Guild Wars 2 versus um writing for uh games like The Witcher and like Bioshock and things like that she was specifically pointing out um and kind of what she was saying was like Geralt of Rivia is, is a is a is a main character you know and when you're playing the game you're playing that character or you're you're playing the character BJ Blaskowitz but when you're playing as uh when in an MMO space um you create a character but that character is kind of like an extension of yourself and when you go through those uh, uh when you go through the game you're playing kind of your own journey and your own experiences and you kind of see yourself in that character and so when they design story beats they you can't like like the characters and the and the the narration of these npcs that are interacting with you um they can't really they can't really highlight on specifics that you did you know um because for for one it's impossible to know like what you did kind of in the you know what your progress was in the past or what what you did um you know, you know what you did yesterday for example um i want to find one of these uh one of these blurbs that she had said just cuz it was it was really interesting give me give me one second i i apologize um but in terms of um this is just a writer that's just explaining how she does her craft. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So, so she had said, you know, she had said, people who boot up Bioshock know they're playing as Jack. People starting Dishonored know they're playing as Corvo. People beginning Tomb Raider know they're playing Lara Croft. So in those games, you have more wriggle room for the pr pr protagonist to be an actual character, whereas in an RPG, Players choose all kinds of character options, names, character, designs, character, the face, and so on. And you feel more of an ownership over that character. Uh, they're not playing a character you designed. They're playing a, they're not playing a character that the designers designed. They're playing a character you designed. Um, she goes on. Um, she talks about uh, questing. So she kind of relates it to um, uh, uh, books. I thought this was, this was kind of interesting. I wanted to... Uh, uh, pointed out, um, said, I've said this on Twitter before, but I'm, uh, I'm still going to weird people out, but please bear with me. You have to construct MMO or RPG player characters, uh, player characters dialogue as if they were Bella Swan from Twilight. To be clear, I don't think Twilight was good writing. I don't think Bella Swan is a well-constructed character. And I don't think people who criticize Twilight for the latter uh, are correct, but also missing the reason for Twilight's popularity 
because Twilight isn't the love story of Bella and Edward. It's the experience of being loved by Edward, which is why Bella is constructed the way she is. But Bella is a carefully constructed blank space with just enough personality to function as all of her personality traits are chosen to avoid preventing the reader from inserting themselves into the space that she holds. I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. uh, of, of thinking about, um, yeah, and, and it totally makes sense with the Twilight story. And it to- and, and thinking about kind of what she said right there uh, puts in the, uh, you know, puts into perspective, at least for me, like the challenges of writing player characters for MMO games when they try to make it really narrative based. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, it's she she writes a lot more uh, of her kind of take on it. Um, but that was kind of the this this write up that she did was the basis for all of the drama that went down and the uh, the, the 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 feedback and response that went back and forth that caused a real big stink in the gaming industry. Um, you know, for for those of you who are interested, because we're kind of running out of time here, definitely Google it. It's uh, uh and and read up about it and and just try to uh, you'll you 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 will take a side one way or the other. Uh, on and. You know, it's it's you have to but, keep, you have to keep an even head and think about you know the situation Jessica's situation, arena that situation. It's it was real difficult for all parties. But uh, but listen, I'm not I'm not a drama person. I don't care what you do on your free time. I don't want to. I don't. You know, I don't. It doesn't affect me in any way. But I would also agree with Adam. Say, look it up only for the historical context that this is going to have a ripple effect in the gaming industry. It almost legitimizes itself in a way as a service industry where now it's the first time a PR department has been on blast on such a scale. Now, now software developers are not just people behind computers that just code things and say, if you don't like my game, you don't have to buy it. Now they're saying, listen, if we're going to have a presence in people's lives, we need to present ourselves in a specific way. We need to legitimize ourselves and behave in a certain way. It marks a stark change in the way people who make games behave. And I think that's significant. And I think that's the only reason you should look into it. I think it's, I, I, to, to me, I think it's real simple. Like if you're going to use, if you're going to use social media for, for your personal use, do so with caution. Because if you say shitty things on social media, it might mean repercussions at work. Mm-hmm. And that's, but at the end of the game, these are people, these are artists, they go to work, they put our product. Yeah. That's what it is. I have no I have no naivety about that. Yeah. Is that a wrap? I think that's, that's all it. for this week. Yeah, that's a wrap. All right, y'all. I'll I'll give out the shout outs. Uh we got a website stacksgamingsquad.com. We got a Twitter, stacksgamingsquad, but you just cut out the first day because we hit the character limit. First we have an Insta- first two A's even. <laughs> we got an Instagram account. <laughs> you can you can download this podcast. We're on the Apple. Uh, we're actually not on the Apple Play Store, but we're working out. But we're on the Android Play Store. And uh, download this. Give us a we're on Google Podcast too. We're trying to build up. Uh, give us a listen. We hope you like it. Thanks for listening. Getting legit. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy it. Hit us up next time. Bye. Bye.